You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Pauline, give me some of your tots. No, go find your own. Come on, give me some of your tots. No, I'm freaking starved. I didn't get to eat anything today. everybody my name is zach i'm brandon and you are listening to another episode of nostalgia be damn the show where we take some of those movies you grew up watching the ones you're nostalgic about we watch them objectively let you know are these movies any good do they hold up or are you blinded by nostalgia this week we watched 2004's indie comedy napoleon dynamite big episode brandon wow finally here (laughs) i mean this is what this podcast was made for i think this movie I think so. We've also got this uh, requested several times, most recently by, uh, by listener Allison, who wrote in, by the way, if you ever want to write in suggestions. I know we always plug this at the end of the episode, but might as well get it out there at the top. Because I feel like you guys turn it off after the synopsis. Oh, definitely. Or maybe halfway through. They probably get through the intro and say, Again. yeah, the, the, we make another joke about fart jokes and then they turn off the podcast. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I get I it. Would. I would, too. This is kind of a shitty podcast. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, you can write us in nostalgiabedampod at gmail.com for any, uh, you know, requests, things you want us to, to to chat about. And this was one that we had, had gotten a few times. We figured, you know what? Fuck it, dude. It's been a while since I've sat down to watch Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, man. Um, I feel like I gave it like a half watch recently. Like really recently because my girlfriend and I were, were sitting down and we were just like, let's watch a movie. And Napoleon Dynamite happens to be one of the ones that she has on Blu-ray here and just... It was like, oh, yeah, like, let's give that a watch. And I think we got halfway through before we, like, fell asleep. But it, you know what, man? This movie, it's so weird because I, I'm very curious how many people have actually gone back and watched this super recently. This is exactly what we think of when we, when we pitch the idea of this podcast because this movie had such cultural impact for at least, you know, the few years in high school that I was there. Yeah, it came out right at the tail end of middle school for me, and I remember distinctly having a movie marathon with three movies. It was Open Water, Collateral, and Napoleon Dynamite. I topped the night off with Napoleon Dynamite. Three very different movies, but okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I just remember that night so vividly because it was at like a few friends were over, and I remember when that movie finished, Napoleon Dynamite, I was, I don't want to say angry, but I was kind of I was kind of pissed off that I just wasted my time. It was a waste of time to me at the time. It's it's a fair reaction, and I think I had the same one because I we mentioned this in the last podcast. This was such a cultural phenomenon that people were quoting it endlessly. Everybody was saying, you have to see it, you have to see it, uh, and you were ostracized if you hadn't seen it. And I remember my cousins, I think, bringing it over one night, and we watched it. And when it was over, you know, they all laughed at, at a bunch of things. And I don't think I laughed once. <laughs> yeah, man. I remember just not being on the wavelength. And if you're not on this film's wavelength from moment one, you're just not going to be on board. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, it is such a... I don't remember... I, th- I thought about it now. I might as well just give this away. I don't remember it being as blatantly outrageous 
as it actually is. I This movie is like an over-the-top comedy, and I think just because of the way it's shot and the way it's, you know, presented, I guess I just didn't think of it that way back when I originally saw it. I think it fits in better now with our sort of like sketch comedy, uh, all this sort of <laughs> outrageously bizarre, you know, the shit we love to watch, Auntie Donna or Tim, uh, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. It's just all this bizarre shit that, that again, I don't think necessarily was as popular back in the early 2000s. No, probably not. And it's it's funny to go back and watch it now because I think it fits in better now than it probably did back when it came out. But I still don't know if we'd think it was funny today. Right. Like the jokes are not quite as good, but the style of humor is right in line with everything that's popular today. Yeah. When we get into kind of what this beat at the box office or what was what it was uh, beaten by in terms of straight comedies, this is unlike anything that was released that year or for several years, to be honest. I think this is really the boom of the indie comedy that led to movies like Juno and Little Miss Sunshine and and studios taking more risks on these smaller kind of weird, quirky comedies. Yeah. Like I, like we said earlier, too, I, there are just things that stick around from this movie that you still see to this day. I see Vote for Pedro shirts every once in a while. Yeah, I think even if you haven't seen Napoleon Dynamite, you've seen either the poster, you know what the character looks like. You've this this character is impossible, I think, to avoid in our day and age. It's just and it's just been so influential, I think, on comedies for the last decade or so. Yeah, and thank God John Hader is doing consistent work in Hollywood. Oh, oh, come on, man! The oh. Benchwarmers, Trevor <laughs> the Shrieker Benchwarm- Island. Um, <laughs> what was that movie with Billy Bob Thornton that he was in? Ooh, you mean Anger Management? It's pretty much the exact same movie, School for Scoundrels. <laughs> School for Scoundrels, that's right, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's funny because uh, I guess we'll get into a little bit more with that guy, but we tried with John Hader. We really, really tried. Yeah, Hollywood was like, you're going to like this guy. <laughs> and we said, no, we're not. <laughs> and that's the sad part is, is I don't necessarily think it's his fault. I think oh, this character no. really was just one of those that sort of sabotaged his career where it, he's, he is Napoleon Dynamite, much like Jason Biggs is, mm-hmm. you know, fucking Jim from American Pie. He's always going to be that guy who fucked the pie. Exactly. John Heater's always going to be Napoleon Dynamite or exactly. some variation He's always going to be the guy who put tater tots in his pocket. <laughs> Gosh, idiot. Ugh. But yeah, I, I will say that I did come around to this movie in the year since. Like it was one of those yeah. I watched the first time. And again, after people basically beating me into submission, being like, no, dude, you got to see it again. You're not watching it right or this or that. And then finally, just maybe literally three or four watches later, I remember my, my younger sister really liked this. And I think this was one that because it's PG, there's not a lot of crude humor or anything that, you know, would be seen, uh, would be seen as offensive. And so I think a lot of younger kids maybe gravitated towards this quicker than I did. And um, but again, years later, this was a movie that maybe in high school later on, I think probably honestly, it was college by the time I really started to appreciate Napoleon Dynamite. Agreed. Once people chilled on it a little bit, once people stopped talking about it, that's when that movie you were able to watch that movie kind of without the pressure of just like, like, do I have to find like your mom goes to college that funny? Uh, but once that once that chilled out, yeah, the movie was way funnier. And I agree. I I think I have much fonder memories of it now than when I initially gave it a watch. Same. Yeah. And I urge anyone who maybe watched it that first time back in 2004 and was turned off by the hype or the, the movie itself, you know, maybe after this episode and you hear a little bit more about it, 
revisit it. And again, we'll get into that later at the end, but I think it's worth, it's one of those movies, one of those cultural artifacts that's worth visiting, revisiting rather. Yeah. Especially if you're into indie movies too. This is, I mean, this is the textbook indie comedy. Yeah. It was the, so it's the directorial debut of Jared Hess. He would go on to direct Nacho Libre, uh, Gentleman Broncos, Don Verdeen, and uh, Masterminds. I've got a soft spot for Don Verdeen. <laughs> well, yeah, dude, anything Sam Rockwell's in, I'm going to yeah, watch. Yeah, that, that is a funny movie to me. I, I really enjoy that movie. Anyway. He's currently in production on an animated film called Thelma the Unicorn and has also been announced as the director of the, <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it, sequel Shanghai Dawn. What? <laughs> yeah, dude, that's right. Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson possibly no back way. for a Shanghai Dawn. If that actually oh comes to fruition, <laughs> I'm all in. Yeah, yeah, believe it when I see it, like you said. <laughs> So Napoleon Dynamite's got a 6.9 on IMDb, a 72% on Rotten Tomatoes, with a critical consensus that reads, a charming, quirky, and often funny comedy. Thanks, Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) Good consensus. Yeah. Not everyone a fan, though. Roger Ebert gave the film one and a half stars, writing that he felt the movie makes no attempt to make Napoleon likable and that it contained a kind of studied stupidity that sometimes passes as humor. It's the most uh, predictable Roger Ebert (laughs) review ever that that he wouldn't like this movie is not surprising oh but as you said kind of the ultimate indie comedy especially with regard to how successful this was no reason to be as successful as it was it just hit at the right time it only cost four hundred thousand dollars to make it earned 44 million in the u.s with a worldwide uh, total gross of 46 million ended up placing 70th on the domestic box office charts that year so in terms of comedies, this is 2004. What a fucking year. It was beat by Meet the Fockers, 51st Dates, oh. Dodgeball, Starsky and Hutch, a fucking another Ben Stiller yeah. comedy, Along Came Polly. Oh my <laughs> um, God. Anchorman, White Chicks, Barbershop 2, and Without a Paddle, but did end up outgrossing Team America World Police. Bullshit. Johnson, Johnson Family Vacation, uh, Mr. 3000, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle Bullshit. and Euro Trip. Wow. <laughs> Euro Trip. But what a year. You could tell, like, that movie is literally unlike any of those studio comedies. Do you know what I mean? No, I mean, yeah, no. All of those comedies have are very formulaic. Well, maybe besides Very mainstream and broad anyway. Yeah, except maybe Team America. But um <laughs> yeah. Speaking of a movie that might not hold up in 2021, um, White Chicks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh ugh. state state tuned <laughs> i guess i would love to cover that movie again because i bet that is a train oh, i'm wreck. sure it is but yeah cl- clearly just such a strange sensibility and the fact that it was successful is is genuinely surprising <laughs> well i think it's interesting because we talk a lot sometimes with some of these comedies that kind of came out of nowhere with their popularity about how social media may have impacted it this was right around like facebook was getting or not facebook myspace was getting popular that's and true. I remember seeing so many Napoleon Dynamite MySpace things. Yes, yes. So I, th- I think the internet gets a lot of credit for the popularity of this movie. Took fire quick. And a lot of the merchandise, all that shit, I used to see. T- I still see t-shirts today. But yeah, t-shirts, notebooks, all that shit. I guess it's kind of inception was kind of strange. So in 2002, John Heater was going to school with Jared Hess at uh, Brigham Young University. They collaborated on, a, on like a short film. It was a black and white uh, 16 millimeter called Palooka, which is basically just a, about a nerdy high school student named Seth. It was played by John Heater. And then they sort of just like shopped that short around to investors. 
one casting director, I guess, got a hold of it and suggested Jake Gyllenhaal over John Heater. And uh, Hess was like, no, no, literally no one can play this role. There's no movie if, without John Heater. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? that's fair. Oh, my God. Can you imagine Napoleon Dynamite starring Jake Gyllenhaal? Listen to this, because, yeah, I guess Jason Lee was also offered the role of Uncle Rico. Brad Garrett originally auditioned for Rex, <laughs> the uh, dojo Whoa, guy. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I guess enjoyed the script but decided not to commit. Uh, John Heater only paid $1,000 for starring in the movie. Uh, I guess he did successfully negotiate to receive more after the film became a sort of runaway success. Okay, good. Yeah, right. (laughs) I was going to say that would be the fucking crime of the century. (laughs) Despite playing high school students, John Heater and Efren Ramirez, who plays Pedro, were respectively 26 and 31 when the movie was made. Only took uh, 22 days to actually shoot the movie. And interestingly enough, one of my favorite... parts of this film in fact it's maybe one of my favorite opening title sequences ever was never actually originally in the film the film was originally made without opening titles and audiences at test screenings i guess got confused as to when the movie was supposed to take place or where it was set it just sort of like began and there was just no kind of lead in and for whatever reason eight months after the film wrapped um the production just kind of spent some more money. I guess it was all filmed in the cinematographer's basement. <laughs> sure. That is, it. it is funny because I, I was going to wait till it started, but that intro is one of my favorite intros to a film ever. It's, it's so cool. After nearly two decades of rumors, it, it was reported in September of 2020 that possibly a sequel to Napoleon Dynamite was in discussion. Heater has stated that he's interested in doing it only if it's a very dark take on the film's characters instead of rehashing the original film's plot. He wants to just pick up with these characters where they are now and like the intense darkness that is their lives, which I might be into if it goes like fucking really dark with it. I I'd be into that. I don't need I don't need Napoleon Dynamite 2 where they're making the same jokes that are like, you know, because I, I could see that just going that way. Just like, yep. remember when yep. we made this joke? <laughs> you loved this in 2004. Or it's just like dorky kid and we follow him in his high school and then it's just like, you know, John Heater's the dad, but it's all still played for, yeah, just rehashing that, that same plot. Yeah, no, I would definitely need like... Napoleon is like his grandma's probably dead at this point. Like you know, I, I would, I would take that. There uh, was somehow a video game released of this back in 2007. It did not get good reviews. <laughs> Interesting. And Fox did green light an animated series began airing in January of 2012. It was canceled in May of 2012 after airing only six episodes. I uh, And I'm happy to report that I finally pulled my fucking weight on this podcast and watched like three episodes of it. <laughs> it's the original like cast coming back. Yeah, right? it's They're the all entire back. original. I think Uncle Rico might be the only person who's not wow. uh, the same voice. Everybody else is the same voice. And I got to tell you something. It's awful. It's like no wonder it got canceled after six episodes. It's uh, it has exactly zero of the charm of this movie. It's like none of the humor, even though even though the Hess brothers like wrote it and developed it. So it what are, what, what's an episode like? What, like what are the, what sort of shenanigans do they get? in? Oh, dude, the pilot episode is like Napoleon gets fucking acne and Uncle Rico buys him this like acne cream that's been like banned because it gives you like intense bright rage or something like that and he like so he becomes like a like practically like super strength and like angry napoleon and they get into like a fight club and he steals kip's girlfriend it's 
fucking chaotic. And I, the second episode, it, it's all like over the top animated shit. Yeah. You know, it, it tries to be like family guy almost, but it's just fucking, which almost seems like the antithesis of what this is. Like it's supposed to be these weird, quirky, bizarre interactions, but all very small scale and intimate. I can't imagine why they'd go over the top with an animated series. It seems like a weird choice. It's it's very bizarre. Like at one point, I I remember in one episode, Napoleon tries to do like a fart burp yawn at the same fart burp yawn sneeze at the same time or something like that. Hang on a second. This is coming. This is the same gag that Kevin James does in Grown Ups 2 where he tries to perfect. I believe it's called the burp snart. Um, yeah, it's something like that. Yeah. And Napoleon wow. Dynamite ends up like flying up into the air because he attempted it or something like that. I don't know. It's like a whole thing. There's an episode where like he goes on to like a liger farm. Like, God damn it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like he finds out that there's like breeders who have been making tigers, lion hybrids, and he like goes there. It's, it's bullshit. It's so stupid. <sighs> well, I, I am heartened to hear that there are some, at least some farts in the animated series. Not a single fart in the movie. Not a single fart in the movie, but which is interesting. Yeah, especially on that egg farm. Ugh, dude, that's I got the grossest. Sick on that. That's the grossest part of this movie. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, well, let's get into it, man. It is rated PG for thematic elements and language. So again, mm-hmm. could be seen by kids of all ages. Really, there's yeah. not too much in here. But as we as we stated earlier, yeah, this begins with one of my favorite just open opening uh, title sequences ever. It's basically just shots of food and school supplies and like notebook drawings. Yeah. All on different backgrounds, either different like colored carpets or tables. And it's all set to the white stripes. Uh, we're going to be friends. It's just a great it really gets you in the mood. Yeah. I mean, it's it really sets the tone for this movie, too, that it's it's not going to blow you away in terms of like any themes like it's just like it is what it is like it it brings you yeah. back to to like especially with those school lunches it brings you back to just like yeah i remember having to eat these in high school <laughs> yeah the erasers and like the library cards and everything yeah it really does yeah put you back into yeah. your old high school or middle school self <laughs> yeah it really does it was pretty great and this was a strange one to take notes on so forgive me if this isn't like a very strict plot outline because to try to describe the plot of this movie is a fruitless endeavor. <laughs> There's not really much of a plot either. It's it's kind of like the Sandlot in the sense where it's just like the first half of it is just a lot of meandering. Yeah. We we open on Napoleon Dynamite. He's uh, socially awkward. I think he's 16 years old or supposed to be a mouth breather from uh, Preston, Idaho, who lives with his grandmother, Carlinda Dynamite, and his older brother, Kip. Mm-hmm. He starts off this scene, yeah, gets on the bus. The first thing he's asked by this little kid is, what are you doing today, Napoleon? Whatever I want to, gosh. <laughs> it's the first thing we hear. Yeah. I, th- yeah, I think first thing you technically hear from him is a sigh, which I loved because I did this every day as I saw the bus. Yeah. I was like, fuck me. Here we go another day. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> But he's like the only like older kid on the bus too. It's all like the younger kids. So he's clearly at an age where like all his peers are driving to school. Yeah. I would I would imagine it's a combination of their driving and he's also living even in Idaho, just considered the more the out sticks. of nowhere yeah. sticks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's clearly yeah, from like a that's... a lower middle class family. Yeah. And yeah, he does this stupid thing with his little action figure where he tosses it out the window. It's attached to the string, just like bouncing behind the bus. Again, it's all these just like random things that 
seem very believable and plausible, but you're just like, I don't know why this is funny, but it's kind of funny. Why he? Why? Yeah. Why is he doing this? What? What? This part is funny to me though is that because you know, like he's doing it like to seem like badass and cool in front of like (laughs) younger, uh, like a younger kid. Yeah. And you knew those people growing up who were just like hanging out with the younger kids because they knew they could impress them. So Napoleon, I guess you'd describe as, as a sort of reluctant student, not a fan of class. He's much more interested in, like, drawing unicorns and playing tetherball very intensely. Yeah. Doing, like, roundhouse kicks to play tetherball. Yeah. And there's all these just, like, quirky asides he needs to, he wants to go home because his lips are too chapped. Yeah. <laughs> we see Funny. a little bit of Kip. His fucking brother Kip, almost every line gets a laugh out of me. He's just so awkward and weird. And he's, like, I think he's, like, 30. <laughs> Yeah, he says he's 32 or something <laughs> like that. It's ridiculous. It's still living at home. It's funny. Oh, gosh. I remember this is something that I've, I've caught on multiple rewatches um, in this scene because he calls Kip and Kip's like making nachos or something like yep. with a huge block of Velveeta <laughs> cheese. Um, and like there's this one jump cut almost where like it, it cuts to Kip and, you know, He's got like a normal plate of nachos and then it cuts to Napoleon real quick. And then like two seconds later, it cuts back to Kip and the cheese pile is like fucking like <laughs> half a foot high now, like out of nowhere. <laughs> um, we also meet uh, Pedro. So he's this very calm, bold transfer student from uh, Juarez who's just coming to an American school for the first time. And uh, yeah, their interactions together, I sort of love they're both clearly you know socially awkward but they mm-hmm. get into talking about his bike and shit they're both enamored by it you ever take it off any sick jumps yeah the new guys who did this too yeah oh man you you go off ramps with that thing and the way this movie is shot a lot of it's done in wides and so it's just meant to, for you as if you're just a bystander just sort of watching these people fuck around all day yeah it's also very symmetrical too in a lot of shots yes. I, it's almost wes anderson yeah, type. yeah, exactly. Like a trailer park Wes Anderson. <laughs> yeah, I really. That's a good way to put it. Uh, yeah, we do see a bit more of Napoleon's home life and the very strange dynamics uh, that are going on there. Napoleon's grandmother, Carlinda, is played by uh, Sandy Martin, who I love has made a career out of just playing crusty moms. <laughs> I know that poor woman. Yeah, it's yeah, always I, sunny and three. Billboards. I was gonna. I was gonna say. Oh, that's right. She's in three billboards. <laughs> um, I was gonna say most people probably know her as Max Mom in Sunny. <laughs> Who unfortunately only gets to grumbles on that show, which I fucking yeah. love every time she's on screen. But yeah, it's always it's always great to see her actually be able to like have lines. She's a funny actress. She's great. I love her. Yeah. Yeah. So Kip, yeah, he's 32. He's unemployed. He boasts of spending many, many hours on these internet chat rooms, which of course was a novel idea at the time, and his um yeah. aspirations of being a cage fighter. <laughs> <laughs> which of course like you take one look at him first of all john Hader like towers over this guy yeah and he's got but, the like the pedophile mustache he looks literally like mm-hmm. a sketch artist's drawing of what you know anticipate a uh exactly a CD character to be yeah exactly but he's and he's really soft-spoken and like he i don't know that it, it's a good character I, it's a great I, character yeah yeah because he's yeah. simultaneously hopeless, but also w- wildly overconfident. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, and he does that typical thing where he's like, he talks about his, like, girlfriend who, like, is in a chat room or something. And the whole time you're like, 
well, what's wrong with this? Is this like, is he being catfished? Is like, is he straight up that hot? Yeah. Is he straight up making it up? Yeah. Like you just know, like something's not right there. And the payoff, it really is genius. <laughs> it's astounding. Yeah. It's a gay, it's an astound. It's, I never saw it coming. <laughs> so Kip wants a trip into town. So he forces Napoleon to like drag him behind his bike while he's on rollerblades, which is such a mm-hmm. stupid, him like waving to neighbors is so dumb. Uh, but yeah, they get to like the local, it's called Rex Kwando. It's like the local martial arts instructor. Of course, it's Diedrich Bader and he's great. Yeah, he's crushing it in this too. He's funny. He's, he's, he, the first time I saw this movie, he was my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. And of course this, I think is maybe the precursor to that. Uh, what was it? The foot fist way that Danny McBride movie, which again, I think mm, Jody Hill, maybe. those guys, the people who did like observe and report, Oh, well, a, a debt of gratitude to, to, to Napoleon dynamite, this sort of weird quirky, a weird lot of shit. their yeah. movies. Yeah. A lot of their movies probably wouldn't hold up without something like this, especially a lot of the Danny McBride shit. Like, this movie is just like righteous gemstones is basically this movie on steroids. <laughs> yeah. Bigger, bigger budget. Yeah. Yeah. with huge budget. But yeah, Rex, you know, brings Kip up and just basically they humiliates him in front of all these people. It's such, it's a stupid, like the worst fight sequence you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. I saw John Hader break character multiple times in this scene too. <laughs> Cause you could see him in like, cause they got one of those uh, mirror walls and yeah. you could see John Hader and John Hader cannot, he's all the extras are doing great. John Hader is the only one who's sitting there. Like he can't contain himself. How funny this yeah, is. It's a scrappy movie. And honestly, that's kind of the charm. There's even, I counted at least twice that in reflections of like the buses and stuff, you can see the camera tripod and shit. Is this, Oh it's yeah. A small budget. They're doing what they can. I, I, oh, it is a, yeah. I mean, you said it best, a scrappy indie yeah. film. We also meet uh, his pet llama, Tina. <laughs> Tina, you fat lard. He's just feeding ham all the time, which I don't know if that's what llamas are supposed to Yeah, I don't know why eat. they're feeding, like, casserole to this fucking llama. <laughs> There's Deb. Again, all these just kind of random characters that fill out this weird world. She's a very shy, door-to-door, I guess, makeup saleswoman, or she's just got a bunch of side businesses trying to save money for college. Yeah, she's, she's hustling. There's an upcoming dance, and so Pedro, who's now sort of become friends with Napoleon out of sheer necessity. There's no one else to really talk to. Uh, he wants to ask Summer Wheatley out to the dance. She's the most popular girl in school. And I didn't realize this was played by Haley Duff. Yeah. Oh, I I remember that being a big thing. She was probably the most popular person in this movie when it came out. <laughs> probably, sadly. For being yeah. freaking Hillary Duff's sister. Yeah. So Napoleon, of course, does the classic, uh, pretends to have a girlfriend and shows Napo- uh, Pedro the photo that he grabbed off of deb because deb tried selling him makeup earlier at his door but kip made like a joke like your mom goes to college and then like that like <laughs> triggered which again like the first time i saw this i was like i don't really understand why that's funny yeah and then funny. i don't and yeah and then then on this rewatch you're just like why would he like <laughs> the fact like, that he's so self-satisfied too by the comment like he's yeah, very proud of himself yeah he's just like fuck i killed that <laughs> like Oh, and then gosh. that triggers her enough to be just like, you know what? Fuck it. And like it runs away. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's a weird movie. It is. You just really got to get into its on its wavelength that I think if you're vibing yeah. with it, you're really going to have a good time. Um, yeah. But yeah, just at this cafeteria scene, this next cafeteria scene, we get so many quotable lines like the, are you going to eat your tots? And yeah. I guess the uh, place where this was filmed there in Idaho, super grateful for the publicity and everything that 
I guess Tots is now one of their, or, or has always been, or is still one of their most famous well, you exports. Know, potatoes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Idaho like, potatoes, but yeah, tater tots. And, and the town this was shot in, I guess for years, had a Napoleon Dynamite festival where people would come dressed as the characters and then have fucking tater, tater tot eating contests and shit. I mean, why wouldn't you? I, yeah. If I were the town, I'd fucking lean the fuck into this movie. You'd, exactly. I, who expected it to be that popular? And then more quotable lines like, uh, what is it? I see you're drinking 1% milk. Is that because you think you're fat? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're not. You could be drinking whole. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking ladies, man. Yeah, yeah, and she's got like tuna fish on her mouth or something like that. <laughs> Disgusting. Uh, the, eating, I, the eating in this movie uh, fucking Because there's so many close-ups on mouths and stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, gross. It's disgusting. And they're all drinking like gross like yellow milk. milk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Milk was a bad choice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Napoleon, yeah, he stuffs the tots in his pockets to eat later for class. And then one of the bullies sees that he's eating tots in the middle of class and asks for some. And when Napoleon refuses, give me some of your tots, like, <laughs> kicks his pants so they're all destroyed. Yeah. God, you freaking idiot. <laughs> uh, give me some of your tots was, I think, one of the most quoted things ever and it's again such a bland innocuous line that really isn't funny in and of itself but just in this world and the ridiculous nature of it all i think it's just because you read so much into this character you immediately get him even though like he's so foreign and alien to you you just understand his operations and like yeah why he's so fucking or like the fact that he's weird you just you just recognize it. no you understand know. immediately why he would keep tater tots in his pocket <laughs> we all would you know what i mean yeah and then why one kid would fucking then ask for some tater pocket tater tots. I would never do that. It's disgusting. If I saw one kid who like was fucking pulling out tater tots out of his fucking cargo pants, I'd be like, Ew. <laughs> not give me some of them pocket tots. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm good. We then meet uh, Rico, who is, uh, you know, Kip and Napoleon's uncle. He's like this middle aged, very flirtatious uh, former athlete, supposedly, who lives in a camper van. This is such a good character. <laughs> Uncle Rico is I did like words can't describe how much I actually love Ru Uncle Rico. It's so good. He's introduced uh filming himself throwing a football. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. He's, he's like he's doing like fake handoffs and like just in the middle of a wheat field. Yeah, he's clearly one of those high school players that wishes he could go back in time to win state. He even says that like out like, oh, he I says wish he it several times. State. Well, that's like his entire motivation for the first half of the movie is to get enough money so he can get a time machine <laughs> and go back and win the state football title because he's convinced if he wins states, he goes to college and gets a pro offer and like is living in a mansion. God damn it! Because he would because he would have won the Idaho State Championship <laughs> football game. Which Napoleon it also sounds like he'd never played too, because he mentions like if coach had just put me in in the fourth quarter. So it sounds like he was a backup. Like so, Uncle Rico is. Um, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I love Uncle Rico so much. He's so good. He's played by John Grise or Grease, um, and he's most known Grease. for his character work on like TV shows like Lost and The Pretender. And what I love about mm -hmm. this actor is usually whenever I've seen him, he's always completely shaven bald, and his fucking wig in this movie is so funny. Yeah. Oh, and his mustache too. Yeah. He's I mean, he looks great. Every that, that's why like it's funny because like he carries himself with like the confidence of someone who like has made it 
in that town. Yeah. But like it, when you see him like sitting next to his nephews or like just doing like what he's doing, it's very clear like he's just as like he's just as much of a loser as they are. Yeah. He just has this very false sense of confidence. So Napoleon's grandmother, she uh, breaks her coccyx on a uh, quad bike accident there in the sand dunes. Yeah. And she asks uh, Uncle Rico to look after the boys while she recovers, despite the fact that Kip is in his 30s. (laughs) Yeah. um, So Rico uses this opportunity to sort of team up with Kip uh, in like, yeah, as you mentioned, Zach, essentially a get rich quick scheme to sell looks Tupperware. (laughs) Tupperware. They're selling Tupperware first. He wants. They do. They do switch eventually, but they're they're selling Tupperware door to door. Yeah, and Rico wants the money for the time machine. Kip wants money to pay for his internet girlfriend Lafonda to travel from Detroit yep. uh, to see. He's him. just getting a little TO'd because she hasn't given him a full body shot yet. That's a great line. That's a great line. <laughs> <laughs> so Summer uh, Haley Duff does end up rejecting Pedro's offer to go to the dance. Uh, Napoleon does end up chatting with Deb again where she sees him drawing his favorite animal. Uh, it's a liger. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lion and a tiger mixed together, known for its skills in magic. Yeah, bred for its skills in magic. <laughs> Fuck me, dude. Uh, preparations are beginning for the high school dance. Pedro asks Deb, who gladly accepts, and he encourages an upset Napoleon to find a date for himself. So he picks Trish out of the... No, yeah, he picks Trish out of the, the school yearbook, randomly. <laughs> And it's it's very obvious that Napoleon has a crush on Deb too, which is why he's so upset. But yeah, this whole Trish thing to the photo he draws of her is so gross. Girls want guys with skills, so he decides to yeah use his art talents to draw a picture of Trish. And <laughs> I guess John Heater did actually draw all of the all of the drawings in this movie except for the unicorn, I guess, at the beginning or whatever. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay, interesting. It's drawn with such confidence, but it's like a little kid drew it, and that's what I love about it. Because I remember drawing really terrible portraits of people, and this is exactly what they'd look like, just fucking hideous Mm -hmm. shadow mustaches and shit like that. Yep, exactly. It's, ugh. God, it's gross, and like the eyes are like weird. And Meanwhile, Rico and Kip's door-to-door business is going expectedly shitty. It seems like Rico's trying to bang a lot of these customers. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because he meets up with Trish's mom and like that's how Trish ends up saying yes to Napoleon because he Uncle Rico tells Trish's mom like that he's mentally handicapped or something like that. Essentially, like, yeah, he's a little slow and yeah. And he keeps getting bullied at school, which is true. Yep. Yep. So Trish is end up forced to like go. But they do they do say that like Kip makes like they say it with such confidence too because of course they do like uncle rico makes like 125 bucks a day or something like that and kip made 75 so they're you know very it is going shitty but to that by their standards they're making money oh for sure for sure and i particularly love the couple who's obsessed with the little mini sailboat that comes with the purchase of the tupperware and then like he tries to get the husband to break the tupperware but he can't so this husband's getting all like emasculated ashamed (laughs) yeah Because he can't tear a fucking piece of Tupperware. And then meanwhile, Kip's trying to like show the durability of the Tupperware by like running it over with his van and it, it immediately explodes. It, he just drives away. Yeah. He's like, fuck it. <laughs> um, so Napoleon, hearing that they're making all this money, decides to he, he needs some money too. So he goes to work on this chicken farm, which is just my fucking nightmare. Oh, uh, disgusting. 
disgusting did you ever work on something like this being no so i worked on a farm like a lot of haying and stuff and it was a horse farm but no chickens and never like dude i I remember this like there was a lot of those potato chicken farms that did summer jobs and man yeah all day in the fucking heat doing that that smell alone i could not imagine i mean their lunch literally made me gag there's like fly covered sandwiches and boiled eggs but what really got me was the fucking he just the farmer's breaking eggs in this giant jar and stirring them up and they're just drinking like yolks as like fucking orange juice essentially yeah just absolutely (laughs) disgusting just fucking gross (laughs) then when he's like i don't have my checkbook i hope you don't mind if i pay you in change and then he's like counting it all up he's like that's six dollars that's like a dollar an hour (laughs) Uh, which oh my god if i was given six dollars to do that work i'd fucking go back there and burn the farm down (laughs) it's the worst so so now that napoleon and pedro have dates for the dance they need new threads zach so napoleon gets that sort of iconic brown beige suit or whatever the fuck that you've seen on countless posters and t-shirts yeah (laughs) this whole dance sequence in general is yeah which honestly um that brown suit i don't think looks that bad I think he like pulls it off. It's not. No. Yeah. It's the fact that I think it looks so deeply rooted in the seventies. And that's what I loved about there. There was a, an aside I read from director Jared Hess, who was, was trying to explain the aesthetic to the studio, what he wanted to go for essentially. And it's like growing up in these, these small rural towns, fashion really isn't of concern. And they also live as though they're like 20 years removed from everyone else. <laughs> and I right. very much relate to like growing up in a really small town being like, no one yeah. fucking cares about this stuff, you know? And so they're on, they're in their own little world. Yeah, that's, that's true. And it's funny because you mentioned the dance and them being 20 years removed. All the songs are from the eighties, like really popular eighties <laughs> yeah. songs. Like, all the dresses look fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I love they all Deb's, look like, like giant, puffy sleeves. Yeah. They all look like giant prom dresses. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean it's it's clever. It's it really does capture small town that I don't think you really understand unless you've been there and lived there, which it might have been my disconnect as a younger person with this movie yeah. cuz like I like seeing that kind of stuff, it was just weird to me. It like sure. it was the question of why are they doing this? Why do they dress like this? Like Uncle Rico looks like he's still in the 80s. The Kip looks like he's still in the 80s. Napoleon dresses like he's in the, like, maybe just coming out of the 80s, maybe more the 90s. So it it just didn't really connect with me. But it does make sense now when you talk about the aesthetic of the movie that they're, like, that's just what a small town is like. Yeah, I think it runs the risk for some viewers of maybe coming like you're talking down to them or you're making fun of these characters. Yeah. But I do think there's such a weird sincerity and truth to it all that they come off as, like, almost triumphant by the end of it. Yeah, I would agree. Well, especially the way this movie ends. I think it's... Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that. So he does get... Because, again, he doesn't have his car or a car or driver's license of any kind from what I understand, but he does get a ride Mm -hmm. with Uncle Rico, but Rico has to stop at this job first to sell some Tupperware, but it clearly seems like he's just having sex with this old lady to sell Tupperware. Yeah, that's... Ew. (laughs) It's what's implied anyway, yeah. Yeah. So Napoleon just starts sprinting towards Trisha's house, thankfully bums a ride from uh, Pedro's cousins who are just driving by, and um, yeah, they get to the dance. It's painfully awkward. Uh, It's all set to Forever Young by Alphaville, which this song gained so much popularity after the movie that fucking Jay-Z sampled it. (laughs) Yeah, and then Time After Time plays too. Yep. I think, yeah. And so, yeah, just kind of an awkward encounter where, you know, he does dance with Deb because Pedro is, you know, a solid guy. Hey, I'll let you dance with Deb for a few songs. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Pedro. 
Pedro's a nice guy. I love Pedro, yeah. Um, Pedro decides to run for class president, pitting him against Summer, and Napoleon takes this on as sort of a personal mission to get his best friend elected. Meanwhile, <laughs> Kip and Rico have bought this fucking shitty time machine off the internet. The idea of, like, you put a helmet on and then there's, like, this stick that goes in between your legs. Uh, yeah. Napoleon gives it a try. I laughed. So, maybe the, my biggest laugh of the entire movie is when he stops. He's like, oh, I forgot to put in the crystals. <laughs> oh, yeah. He just like, sets these stupid fucking crystals in it. He just sets crystals in it. It is so out of nowhere. Like, <laughs> because you're you're watching it and then, like... You're like, okay, well, this clearly isn't going to work. And then, like, just the fact that these three characters are so dumb as to be just like, well, we've got these crystals, too. <laughs> like, it's so dumb. Of course it doesn't work. Yeah, it just ends up, like, frying his brain and his testicles or something. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> but to increase uh, their respect by demonstrating more skills, Napoleon and Pedro enter this, like, Future Farmers of America competition where they're grading like, milk and cow udders and stuff. They do well. They actually like seem yeah. to be good at it and win some medals, but this does not do much for their popularity. Yeah, I never really understood what this was. I thought maybe they were like getting like a side gig as like FDA yeah. like yeah. <laughs> officials. I I never understood what this part was, but it's it, it, again, it's just more scenes to show off the grossness of like John Hader drinking off-color milk and fucking Pedro looking at like a deformed nipple. <laughs> and uh, that day or later on, Pedro eventually winds up suffering like a sort of breakdown where he's just sweating so much. He gets so hot and he shaves his head because he thinks that's what's causing him to sweat so much. They do end up getting this sick wig from uh, Deb. And uh, they end up putting up some posters, you know, reach for the stars and vote for Pedro all over the place, putting them over Summer's posters. And, uh, he starts offering Pedro's like protection to bullied kids throughout the school to see if that might boost their numbers. Mm-hmm. Beats up like a pinata of summer. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he does get uh, not disqualified, but he does get punished for uh, or penalized rather for having students beat up a pinata that looks like summer. Um, so he's forced to take down all the posters and banners. And meanwhile, this is where Kip gets some braces and finally does get to meet LaFonda, who arrives from Detroit and. This is such a great reveal because, again, he's standing at the bu the bus stop and he, for, he now just has braces. We don't see him go to get braces or anyone talk about that he's getting braces. Yeah, he's just got he braces just does. now. And the bus pulls up and this, <laughs> frankly, like, yeah, beautiful black lady comes off and she seems very nice, very, like, put together. And you're like, wait, she's real and she really loves him? Yeah. She's a real person. Yeah, and she really likes him. It's And, yeah, she doesn't, like, look at him and, like, turn around. No, she gets, like, super excited. <laughs> And she ends up giving him like, like urban makeover and giving him like chains and all this shit. Yeah, by the end of like his scene, like he's wearing like a do rag and he's like bouncing <laughs> yeah, to like yeah, hip hop like, music. Oh, okay, it's like, yeah, right. it gets a little cultural appropriation ish towards the end of it, but yeah, a little early two thousands showing its showing its ugly face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which you know we wouldn't be an early two thousands movie without a little bit of racism, <laughs> of course. But I do like the joke that they're actually genuinely in love. Like this all pays off with the fact that they are a good couple and she's genuinely nice, very out of his league. Kip like, finds like, happiness. Kip finds <laughs> happiness in this movie. It's amazing. Napoleon, meanwhile, visits a thrift store and buys an instructional dance video called Dequan's Dance Grooves and slowly starts to practice to become a skillful dancer. Now, this I didn't understand because 
I was always under the impression that he was doing this because he wanted to perform for Pedro. But it seems like when Pedro needs like a skit at the end of his speech here, this comes out of nowhere. And Napo- so Napoleon just does this whole dance thing for his own like, for <laughs> interest his own and sake. benefits. Yeah. yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. La Fonda does give Napoleon a mixtape and uh, Rico's ongoing sales scheme causes some friction with Napoleon as he, you know, continues spreading weird rumors and shit. And also <laughs> he, he tries to sell Deb like a breast enhancement product, claiming it was Napoleon's suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. So she calls him from like the middle. It's so weird. It's like it looks like a middle of nowhere field from a payphone. <laughs> she calls him and tells him like she wants to end their friendship. Basically, Rico's scheme eventually ends when he tries to pitch this <laughs> breast enhancement product to uh, Rex's the dojo guy's yeah. wife. <laughs> Walks in. It's and implied he, that he assaults him. Yeah. Yeah. Beats the shit out of him. So summer. Uh, it's the day of the election. Summer gives this speech before the student body on election day, and then uh, presents this like dance skit, all set to the Backstreet Boys, right? Larger than life. Oh God, yeah. And I, yeah, they they're doing it so half heartedly too. Like it is, such, it's a good high school. Like like we're doing this because we have to thing. Well, yeah, and also if this was any other movie, if this was a studio comedy more than likely like her routine would be really polished and like these dancers, they'd be like probably a professional dancer. Somehow yeah. As, and as like a little is. over-sexualized too. Exactly. And, yeah. yeah. And instead this is just so fucking awkward to watch. It's the happy hands club. And you're like, the, Jesus. The, my most underrated part of this movie though, is her boyfriend. I think his name is Trent or something or Don. His name's Don. Don. <laughs> yeah. His name's Don. Um, I, Cause he's, he's a big part of the show. Um, him just like in the seats like no one else is moving they're just like blankly watching but he's like bouncing and like nodding he's like yeah (laughs) and he does he's so over the top in this whole movie it's so funny i was just gonna say yeah this guy has the most like over expressive (laughs) nods and like eye motions and movements and his eyebrows are always like moving him 100 miles a minute because he's just like he's like i think they told him to do this though i think they just told him like yeah be like that like over the top douche and it's great he's always wearing like a bright colored yeah and he's always like (laughs) (laughs) spiky like yeah at one point he's just like like he just like does like a fist pump when his girlfriend's doing the happy hands thing he's just like yeah yeah (laughs) like He's so over enthusiastic. Yeah, Good it's so you, funny. Dom, yeah. Props to that guy. He's he's one of my favorite parts. So Pedro, it's Pedro's turn. He gives this very unimpressive, uninspired speech, um, and then discovers he also has to require. He's required to perform some sort of skit, which he has not been prepared for. So after his speech, he just sort of walks off. If you vote for me, all your wildest dreams will come true. <laughs> He just leaves, walks yeah. away. And then sort yeah. of, yeah, to save Pedro's campaign, Napoleon gives the sound engineer the mixtape that LaFonda gave him and I guess spontaneously performs this very elaborate uh, choreographed dance routine. It's a long thing. Yeah, to Jamiroquai. It's a canned heat. And this yep. is, it's almost the full song. It's just like the... <laughs> I know. It's, a good two it's, minutes of him just going at just it. Just dancing. And it's, I remember this was such a big deal this dance scene i mean and it is i guess the climax of this movie for the most part it it really is like the like tipping point of the whole thing but god it's so i, I don't know I, it it is it's the perfect culmination of this movie of just being like what the fuck is going on yeah like what the actual fuck is happening right now 
I think it probably inspired So You Think You Can Dance. It honestly feels like when we watch those like people who are very untalented on an American Idol show or something, and you're you're expecting them to embarrass themselves, but at this point, he just sort of like honestly, he's not a bad dancer. I don't think anyone could no. watch this and be like, this guy's fucking still like. There are a lot of silly, weird moves, but he is like he's feeling the music. It's a it's a fun it's a fun sequence. It's ten billion times more entertaining than the happy hands thing <laughs> exactly exactly and everyone fucking loves it like the routine receives a standing ovation from the students and yeah dawn is even stunned in the <laughs> in the seats there oh gosh and then uh, but i love this this is at this point then we're really just this is the end here like as this plays the music fades out and this like i love the irish jig like score here it's so good yeah and i love this this little like last coda essentially of just all the characters sort of in a, like a happy place like none of them have a, a, a sad ending no they're all like just like going on with their lives like just happy like grandma is back with her llama kip moves to detroit with lafonda <laughs> uncle rico even like even though he's like just back to the wheat field fucking throwing footballs with his with the wrong hand now so you could tell he's just like kind of defeated and like upset and then like this woman like pulls off to the side and yeah because that's his ex-girlfriend that... yeah he's been talking about the whole movie i guess oh yeah okay. yeah, yeah coming back to to visit or, or to come back with him uh, yeah back in the camper van got his broken arm but his girlfriend comes back pedro wins the election so he's all like celebrated by his family and everything and then yeah napoleon we just see sort of playing tetherball all alone until uh deb walks up yep and they just play a game, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. He beats yeah, the shit yeah. out of her. <laughs> Gives her a high five, and yeah, we zoom out and, and it's set uh, The Promise by oh, When in Rome. It's one of my favorite songs, Brandon. I love The Promise <laughs> by When in Rome. And, like, it's the perfect ending to this movie for me. It always gives me goosebumps every time it, like, zooms out and The Promise is playing. Oh, my God. It's a great ending. And I went literally all these years thinking that's it. Did you know there's a post credit sequence to this movie? No. What? Okay, so due to the film's surprise success at festivals and in its limited release, Fox Searchlight re-edited the film to add a five-minute epilogue at the end of the movie after the credits. What? So, yeah, it, it's, it was filmed after the initial theatrical run, and it's only featured on, like, home video, like, after it got released. So oh. if you watch to the end of it, and what's crazy is it's a, it's a surprise wedding scene, essentially, that cost about half of what the entire movie cost just to shoot this one scene. And oh it's God. It, we get a credit. It says two months later, and it's basically Kip and LaFonda getting married. The old farmer guys, they're officiating, like, is officiating it. And Napoleon, who's kind of absent for the vows, arrives riding this giant horse. And he like basically gives Kip and LaFonda the horse. Laf Kip flicks LaFonda's like garter off and um, Rico catches it uh, before he and her ride off into the fields. It's really unnecessary, and I'm glad it's not in the actual movie. Yeah, no. Because you can it. clearly tell it's shot with, like, better cameras. People look a little differently because it was you could tell that it was clearly shot right. afterwards. Yeah, really unnecessary, and so I don't know why it was in there, but I was very curious to just, once I read that in the in my research, I was like, I'm actually going to fast forward and see what this fucking thing's about. Yeah, I, I, don't need, I don't need that. I think the ending of this movie is perfect. Yes. I really do. 100% I think it's agree. Just, everybody is, like, happy life in this small little town is going on pretty much unchanged like yeah pedro yeah. won the election and like but that's it like nothing world ending nothing world altering except for kip leaving 
Yeah. And I just like, I like the idea of just kind of leaving it up to like your own imagination of what, you know, what these characters do afterwards. And like, you, you can't assume too much of them because where are they? They're in the middle of Preston, Idaho. Like they're not doing, they're not doing anything. Huh? Really sweet ending, honestly. Yeah. Very, very nice. Don't need the wedding scene. Agreed. I, I was pleasantly surprised with Napoleon Dynamite. I, I anticipated probably liking this one going into it. I was hoping that um, I didn't return on it, essentially. I was hoping that it wasn't one of those things like a pendulum where I l- didn't like it, then went to liking it, went back yeah. to not liking it. But no, this this movie, I think, if anything, holds up better today than when it was first released. I would mm-hmm. say that you know John he- this is John Heater's What He'll Die being known for. It's just one of those iconic roles that no matter what he does later on in his career, if he continues to act or not, nothing would top this. And so... Yeah. I just think it's a defining film of the early 2000s. Not necessarily even a comedy, just a defining film that that love it or hate it can you can easily see its influences and in how studios thought, "Oh wow, we can make something much smaller that as long as it has a, a distinct vision and tone, people might gravitate toward it." And I think it's given a lot of filmmakers kind of carte blanche to to just be themselves on a small budget. Yeah. And so I would say if you if you were like me or someone who just watched that when it first came out didn't necessarily really like it, I implore you to like give it a re- give it a rewatch. Just just see again. This is also a comedy that even more so than most comedies. We always talk about how comedies are subjective. This one is so subjective, and so I can one hundred percent see someone watching this and being like, "This is fucking dumb," and I don't know why I'm wasting my time with this. Mm-hmm. But I think if you are on that wavelength, if you're just into these characters and the world it sets up, I think you're gonna have a great time. I'm going to give this, I think it got a 72%. I think it's right around there. I think it's a three-star movie. It's nothing, you know, it's nothing, it's not a classic of any kind, but I do think it is one of the funnier films to come out from 2000 to 2010. Like of that decade, by far, it would be in my top 50 comedies of that, of that decade. So I'm going to give it a, I'll give it a 75. I think it's a really solid comedy and one that if you were nostalgic about it and you haven't seen it in a while, give it a rewatch. Cause I think we've just grown into that, like, absurdity that absurd comic kind of style that's really popular now yeah i totally agree with you i think it's it's if you liked it growing up it's almost important that you go back and rewatch it because it is better it's better than it than it was when it came out i think we have a better understanding of the humor or at least like the the tone of that movie than we did when it came out it really like fine wine has aged incredibly well um Especially for a movie that, like you, like you and I both said at the beginning, when we first saw it, didn't get it, didn't understand, yeah. like why it was considered good. Now I think you go back and watch it, and if you watch it like as you know a fan of film, you're gonna see that, it, especially for an indie movie. Yeah, there are some weird technical issues with it, like you can see the camera on occasion. There's yeah. a, a few continuity issues and and stuff like that. Yeah, especially for a movie that doesn't that really kind of suffers from any sort of cohesive plot it still comes together really well sometimes that hurts movies i think it just kind of fits the tone of this one that it's just a small town there's really nothing of high stakes like it's not really you're not we're not supposed to see the end of the world in this movie we're just supposed to see like the very small unimportant dramas of these people um and then to top it off it it does happen to be funny and i think it sets the tone for a lot of humor that moves forward into our time period now where it's just a lot of that random stupid confusing shit 
that you and I personally love. You're right, it is subjective. Not everybody is going to love this movie or that kind of humor even now. But I, I do think that if you haven't seen it, it's worth a watch, especially if you're into that kind of humor. If you haven't seen it in a long time and you loved it, worth a watch because it it's better than it was. And if you haven't seen it, and or if you haven't seen it in a long time because you didn't like it, I think it's worth watching again because I do think it's a better movie. Uh, just overall, I can't believe how much better this movie is 20 years later. Yeah. I'm going to give it, I, I hate to parrot you, but 75 does sound about appropriate just because, you know, it's not perfect. It's not, you know, the most enticing movie in the world. It's not going to, you know, hold your attention super well, but it is, I think, very very good and so i i wholly recommend it for the nostalgia i recommend it just because it's a good movie poor john heater man i mean i yeah, kind of hope that yeah. sequel happens for his sake because I, I think he deserves another chance but um but i i agree with him like i don't need a rehashing of this movie i i would love to see like a dark black comedy of just like these people who like are so delusional and so weird like what what they would be doing because it, I mean, you know, I don't need like Kip to become president of the United States or anything like that. Or, but I just want to see like how weird their life is still is because there's no way by the end of that movie, you see it getting any less weird. Yeah. As long as it's not an animated series, apparently you're going to watch the rest of them. Uh, episodes, Zach? No, no, not <laughs> at all. Can't. Where'd you find them by the way? It's on Hulu. <clears throat> It is on Hulu. Okay. All yep, right. it's on Hulu. So if you if you're interested, I mean, go ahead. But I don't. It it reminds me of F is for Family. I think there's even a lot of the same like character voice actors in it. But the animation the style, animation style reminds yeah. me of F is for Family. But um, yeah. So that's it. Napoleon Dynamite. Nice. Well, and that is where we watched it. So it's probably yep. currently still streaming there on Hulu. If you haven't seen it and wanted to revisit it, absolutely. Check it out. If you want to check out any of our episodes, you can check them out at Nostalgia Be Damned Pod. I'm sorry. What am I doing, Zach? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, easy. Yeah. We've got like two other things to go Fuck through. Fuck me. Yeah. Did you uh, watch anything good, bad over the last uh, weeks here, sir? Uh, the only thing that I watched new was um, Amazon like secretly released more Borat content. Oh, um, that's right. You were telling me about this. Like, yeah. Uh, they. So the, the big, a big part of the new Borat movie was that he, when quarantine hit, he was stuck in a cabin for five days with like two like conspiracy theorists, like QAnon guys. Um, and they, you know, and he did his typical Borat thing and he rattled off. So they released a new series about that, about just that like sequence of that. Um, and the first episode is like a half hour long. It's got some deleted scenes of him, you know, being Borat with these two like with these two QAnon Trumpers, blah, blah, blah. And they're spouting off their bullshit conspiracy theories. Um, and then it just takes a turn because the next couple episodes are not like funny. It's them sitting these two guys down in front of experts and debunking all of the theories that they listed off in the movie. Like the first one, they like sit down with the scientist who like explains to them that the vaccines are safe and that there there's no possible way there's a five G chip in them, and 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 these guys and it's like there's no humor in it, there's no satire in it. It's literally that them just trying to convince these guys that they're being morons, and like the I haven't seen too many. The first episode with the microchip, they like refuse to believe the scientist. They're like, nah, you know. 
I don't think so. And the, 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 like, it's infuriating. And then the last episode that I kind of wanted to get to, because obviously they, you know, they're Trump voters. They have a lot of thoughts on Hillary Clinton. Don't they fucking zoom with Hillary Clinton in the last episode? <laughs> so I want to, I want to get to that part too. Um, it's wild. It's not something that I expected. Um, but I kind of, you know, if you're into that kind of thing right now, it, I, sometimes you're just not in the mood to like hear the conspiracies and like all the drama that's going on in the world right now. But if you're into that kind of thing and watching like, you know, conspiracy theorists get fucking put in their place, I recommend it. Plus it's got a couple of deleted Borat scenes in it. Nice. Okay. And you said that was Amazon prime, Amazon prime. Nice. I uh, was up visiting family. And so they just threw on that Kevin Hart fatherhood movie that's on Netflix there, Oh, Zach? yeah, of course I did. That's exactly what, you know, if I had to watch something, I could have picked anything else. But um, it, yeah. it's not as terrible as I feared it could be. Sure. He's he's doing his thing. It's, it's pretty generic, but uh, it's all right. Yeah, and then yeah, uh, the yeah, other one I did up watching like. was um, uh, Pixar's new movie, Luca, which, by the way, <gasps> what the fuck? I didn't I just had no idea that one, yeah. this was really even coming out or the fact that like this was a Pixar movie. They just dumped it onto Disney Plus with no real fanfare, it seemed. Yeah. And I mean, I kind of see why after watching the movie, it's it's not bad. It's just it's no it's not Toy Story or Finding Nemo. It's more like Cars or Dinosaur, Good Dinosaur. Yeah, it looks very subpar for uh, Pixar. For Pixar, yeah, it, it was. It's it's again, it's not that it's bad. It's just to explain the actual plot. He's a sea monster. They go out on land for whatever reason. They just turn into mm-hmm. human. Never explained. Whatever. All the sea monsters fear land monsters, sure. so they don't go up to the surface. Very generic. But once he gets to the surface with his other sea monster buddy. All they want to do is because it's like the 1960s Italian Riviera. Mm-hmm. So all they do is just like eat food and want to fucking buy Vespas. The entire movie is them trying to get Vespas because they think a Vespa will just transport them across the world and it's the ultimate luxury. And so they enter a fucking tournament to win money to buy a Vespa. And that's the whole that's the movie's plot. Sounds like they just like took a short and like made it like really long it's a strange it's a strange fucking movie again i didn't dislike it it's not their worst movie by any stretch you know yeah. what i mean but it's just yeah you know yeah. check it out if you I, want to i i forgot i also did start i didn't finish it only watched like the first like half hour of raya and the last dragon oh because that's on um, disney plus now right too that is on okay. disney plus now and uh that movie is kind of cool. I don't. The animation looked pretty sweet. I've heard good things. Yeah, the animation's pretty nice. Um, I, I'm curious to see the rest of it. It's some interesting world building, interesting plot. But forgot about that. But I haven't finished it yet, so mm. I'm not going to give it any sort of recommendation. Oh, yeah, we'll stay tuned for when you do. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we'll be recommending next week's movie. I don't know. This is going to be a good one to revisit, man. No, I'm excited. Yeah, it's uh, currently streaming. I think free on Tubi is what we discovered. <laughs> Thank God. Good old Tubi. Yeah, we're really reaching uh, here, but here we go. <laughs> yeah, we're going back to 2000 for uh, The Perfect Storm. The Perfect Storm, Zach. The Perfect Storm. We get to break out our Boston accents. It's going to be a great Boston accents, time. yeah. Oh, you're going to have a good time with this. This is very New England. I, I'll i probably attempt a Boston accent for like the first time, embarrass myself, and stop for the rest of this. <laughs> George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg. I believe the uh, director Wolfgang Peterson. This is the guy who did Troy and uh, Poseidon remake. So it's going to be a big budget kind of uh, kind of adventure drama, from what yeah. I remember. I, I remember this being a huge deal when it came out, especially living in New England. But across the country, this was a fucking massive box office success. Yeah, I I saw it. I think on home video, maybe not theaters, but yeah, it's been a long, and I don't think I've seen it since. So I'm very curious to see how this movie holds. 
Yeah, me too. Deadliest catch was fucking Marky Mark. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you could uh, check that out on Tubi if you want to watch beforehand. I thought this was going to be on HBO Max where it is a Warner Brothers title, but no, no go. They hate us. I guess so. Um, but if you like us, it would be great if you could tell a friend, if you could start uh, maybe writing a review on wherever you do download this podcast. We are available really wherever you download them. I, Apple iTunes, uh, fucking Spotify, Pandora, all those all those good sites. Yeah. And uh, follow us on freaking our social media pages, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, I guess, if you want. We don't, we're not really updating the Facebook anymore. Um, but we do check it, so if you send us a message there, we will get it um and uh yeah like brandon said tell a friend please write us a review we'd love to know uh write us an email at nostalgia be damned pod at gmail.com that's right request a movie or just let us know some additional content you maybe like to get us into because uh, again maybe down the road we're looking at maybe possible patreon and shit we just um looking to expand the podcast yeah it'd be really fun to expand the pod thank you for listening uh thank you for tuning in and um have a good fucking week. Have a good life. Be good people. Yeah. Try. Try. 